The first reading is from Philippians chapter 3 and beginning at verse 1 through to 11. The first reading may be found on page 1231 of the Visitor's Bibles. Philippians 3, 1 to 11, no confidence in the flesh. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in, Jesus, in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Here ends the reading. And continuing on from where Brian's left off, we're uh, commencing now at verse 12. Pressing on toward the goal. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you, only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join with others in following my example, brothers, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. For, as I have often told you before, and now say again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the, Christ, the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Therefore, my brothers, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, that is how you should stand firm in the Lord, dear friends.
Well, at its heart, Christianity is not a philosophy, it's not a religion, it's about a person. It's about Jesus and being devoted to him. And as Chris on the video shared with us, being devoted to Jesus is hard. But what encourages us? It's the example, the example in the Bible and in our lives of people who show their devotion to Jesus. In this passage before us today in Philippians 3, we see the change that Jesus brought in Paul's life and the devotion, the devotion that he has for Jesus, that he wants his readers, he wants us to have as well. Do you want to be more devoted to Jesus? Heavenly Father, we pray that the example of Paul in this passage might stir us, might show us what it means to be devoted to our Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray this in his name. Amen. How is it that Paul is devoted to Jesus? Well, first and foremost, he treasures knowing Jesus above all things. Jesus told his disciples a story, a parable. The kingdom of God, he said, is like a man who finds treasure in a field. And because the treasure was so great, he went away and in his joy... He sold all he had to get that treasure. The disciples, they left everything to follow Jesus because it was such a great treasure to know him. Well, the Apostle Paul never left everything to follow Jesus because Jesus wasn't around to follow. But he did the same thing. He treasured knowing Jesus above all things. Do you see that in the passage? He talks about people who, like him, had great reasons to put confidence in their flesh. Uh, they were Jewish and Jewish and Jewish. They had great standing before God and Paul had more than any of them. But he says in verse 7, Whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Do you hear those words? The surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. It's so great, he says, that everything else, everything that I held dear before that really mattered my standing before God, I now consider loss. Not just that Jewishness. He says, I consider everything a loss. I consider them rubbish, he says, verse 8. And rubbish is a very gentle word, a gentle translation for what Paul said. 
The word in English that would probably better translate what Paul meant by what he considered those things that were formerly valuable to him has four letters and it starts with the letter S. I consider them rubbish, he says. And not just consider them rubbish, but he has lost them. For whose sake, he says, I have lost all things. For think about Paul. He was a Jewish leader of great standing and great standing before the people. And he thought great standing before God. And he lost all of it. I take it he lost his family as well. But like the man who found the treasure in the field, in his joy he sold everything to know Jesus. He treasured knowing Jesus above all things. Do you know Jesus? Do you know him not just as the Lord or our Lord, but as Paul says, my Lord? Is it a personal relationship you have with Jesus? Well, if you know him, if I know him, do we see the surpassing greatness of knowing him, that we who deserve nothing from God have been given forgiveness in him, righteousness in him. We've been adopted as God's children. We've been given a living hope and not just a status before God and a great future, but a living relationship, a precious friendship, the one friend who will never leave nor forsake us. Us. Do you see the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus? And if you see it, is therefore everything else that you hold dear rubbish in comparison? If your home was on fire and you had just a minute to get out, what would you take with you? I'm sure you've thought about this. What things would you take with you? Which people would you take with you? They are the things that you hold most dear. Paul says, knowing Jesus is so great, so surpassingly great, that he considers everything else as rubbish. I've mentioned before the scene at the end of the movie Titanic and you're glad that the movie has finally come to an end after three hours. They are there dying in the Atlantic Ocean, the freezing Atlantic Ocean. And it's so tragic really, at least from the man's point of view, because you think if only Jack hadn't won the card game and he wouldn't have got the ticket and he wouldn't have been on the Titanic. He'd live to a ripe old age. But Jack doesn't see things that way. He says to Rose, winning that ticket was the best thing that ever happened to me because it brought me to you. It's so romantic. The surpassing greatness of knowing you, he says. That's devotion, isn't it? And devotion to Jesus is like that. Knowing Jesus... Knowing Jesus is surpassingly great. 
so that everything else pales into insignificance. Is that what it's like for you? But when you know someone like that and it is so treasured to you, you want to know them more, don't you? And being devoted to Jesus is not just treasuring knowing Jesus, but pressing on toward knowing Jesus more. When Jesus called disciples to follow him, he said, follow me. And they didn't just immediately know him completely. No, he was to make them fishers of men. And over three years, they lived with him and watched him and they got to know him more. Paul says, I know Christ, but he wants to know Christ more. Did you see it there in verse 10? I want to know Christ. Verse 12, not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. He presses on, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. He presses on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called him heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. In this month's Southern Cross magazine, which is in the foyer, the front page article is, What is Maturity? And we think it's growing in your knowledge of Jesus so that you know more. We think it's, grow, it's getting to a level of godliness so that now you can be recognised as mature. But what is maturity here? Verse 15. It's knowing that you haven't got there yet. That's maturity. And pressing on to get there. That you have not arrived in your knowledge of Jesus and you want to know him more. So much so that it's one thing I do. It's forgetting what's past. It's straining towards what is ahead. Because you are so devoted to Jesus. You know him. You treasure knowing him. But you press on to know him more. You see those Romantic words of Jack to Rose dying, freezing to death in the Atlantic Ocean after knowing each other for a sum total of 24 hours is not actually the picture of being devoted to Jesus. Now, it's far more like an old married couple who've known each other for 60 years and they know each other so well that when one of them starts the sentence and can't remember how to finish the sentence the other one finishes it for them they know each other so well but they are still every day learning new things about each other because they want to know each other more and love each other more that's devotion and that's what devotion to jesus is about what would that look like in your life? It would mean seeking to know Jesus better, wouldn't it? Have you read one of the Gospels recently to know him better? How is your Bible reading going? Are you speaking to God in prayer? Have you actually read a Christian book lately? That's going out of fashion, isn't it? What's God been teaching you lately? What are you learning to trust God with? Is there a sin you're turning away from? 
Is there a fruit of the Spirit you are trying to grow? Or are you resting on your laurels in your Christian life? Are your best days as a Christian behind you? I hope not. For devotion to Jesus is treasuring knowing him. And because you treasure knowing him, you press on to know him more. Well, how do you live when you treasure knowing Jesus and you press on to know him more? What would that look like in your life? Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would follow me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. And that's how Paul is devoted to Jesus. He never followed him, but he lives that devotion. Have a look at verse 17. Join with others in following my example, brothers, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. It's a tantalising phrase, isn't it? The pattern we gave you. What is the pattern that they gave them? Well, if you look back uh, just on the left-hand page, uh, chapter 2 is the pattern. The pattern of how Jesus lived, the attitude of Jesus that they are to have as well. Verse 6, who being in very nature God, didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. That's the pattern that Paul followed. That's the pattern that he gave to others. Deny yourself and take up your cross. You can tell that's what he means by the pattern because in the very next sentence in chapter 3, he says the opposite. 4, verse 18, As I have often told you before and now say again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Are they opposed to the cross somehow? Do they not agree with it somehow? No, they oppose the pattern. Verse 19, Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. How do you have your stomach as your God? Pull it out of your intestines and put it on an altar? No, I take it these people lived for their stomach. That sounds familiar, doesn't it, in our society? Whatever you live for, that is your God. And again and again we are told to live for ourselves or for our families for our happiness. That is the pattern that we're being given. But when you know Jesus, you treasure that. And when you press on to know Jesus, you live by this pattern, says Paul. This pattern of serving and suffering like Jesus. Do you see there in verse 10, suffering? I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, the power of his resurrection. That sounds good for your Christian life, doesn't it? Do you want more power? If you had more power, what power would that give you? He says there, doesn't he? I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. If you follow Jesus, you will suffer. 
and the power of the resurrection will enable you to suffer and endure. As we watched the video of uh, Chris there talking about his devotion to Jesus and what helps him to keep on being devoted to Jesus, uh, tears started welling up in my eyes. For my friend Chris, who I went to Bible college with, has been in a new church far from here for about a year now, and everything has fallen apart. After 14 years in a previous church where things went really well, he moved somewhere, and something has gone wrong. People have turned against him and maligned him and are passing around lies, as far as I can tell. And there is great criticism and great suffering. So I watched the video this week and sent him the link. And he was encouraged, he said. Thank you, I just encouraged myself, he said. Or was it you? Or was it Jesus? To which I said, I think the answer is always Jesus. We share in the sufferings of Christ. When you know Christ and treasure knowing him, when you press on in knowing him, then you follow the pattern of Jesus of serving and suffering. What does that look like for you at the moment? How is Jesus calling you to serve in the relationships that you have, in the opportunities that you have? And is it costing you? Are you suffering in some way at the moment, in, internally or in your physical health? And how, like Jesus, even in suffering, are you serving? That's what devotion to Jesus looks like. It's hard, isn't it? And you might think as we're talking about devotion to Jesus that this is all too hard. It sounds like a burden. You tell me this relationship to Jesus is surpassingly great and I should treasure it. But gee, what a hard road to travel. We said last week that discipleship starts and continues with grace. That our God has been extravagantly wasteful on us in making us his children, in making us disciples of Jesus. Can you see that we need to keep that front and centre? We've got to keep on remembering that and showing that to our hearts for then we will treasure knowing Jesus and then we will press on in knowing Jesus and then we will keep on serving and suffering for Jesus. We ought to notice here too that it's God who does it. Verse 12, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Who made the first move here? It was Jesus in dying for us and in choosing us. And he is the one who will finish the job. Verse 20, We eagerly await a saviour from heaven, the Lord Jesus, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so they'll be like his glorious body. In the end, it doesn't depend on you and I. 
And isn't that a great relief? What a privilege it is to be devoted to Jesus, to know him, to press on in knowing him, and to serve and suffer for him. No wonder Paul starts the whole passage by saying, Rejoice in the Lord. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus our Lord. Help us to treasure. Help us to press on in knowing him. And Father, as we struggle to serve even as we suffer, help us to be confident and be thankful for your grace, confident that you will finish the work you have begun in us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.